Welcome to the Revelation Project Podcast. I'm Monica Rogers, and this podcast is intended to disrupt the trance of unworthiness and to guide women to remember and reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. So all of this, this channel, this freak genius channel, and this coming down to your 14.2, anything in this center is called the knowing, the knowing <laughs> channel. Oh my and God. you just, you just know things. You don't know how you know them. You just know them. I just right? know them. And I, I say it all the time. I mean, my family probably gets so annoyed. So welcome everyone to another episode, episode 65, if you can believe it. Today, our episode is called Born by Design to Be Exactly Who You Are. Today, I'm interviewing Robin Wynn, and I'll tell you, ever since I started diving more deeply into human design, I've been standing up straighter, breathing more freely, and it's truly, this work has been such a revelation in my life. I stumbled upon human design a few years ago. Any of you can log into the website. We'll, of course, have the information in the show notes. But you can put in your date of birth, your time of birth, your place of birth. And what it does is it spits back a human design profile that is as unique in some ways as the fingerprint, as your own fingerprint. It is so cool. And it's been really helping me to understand that some of the things that I really struggle with, it's because I wasn't designed. I wasn't born to be designed to be able to do those things. So can you imagine how freeing it is to actually start to recognize by looking at your own human design, what you can do well and do really easily and what you probably shouldn't be doing just because it'll bring you into areas and territories that actually you're not even really designed to do those things. So there's so much packed inside this episode of revelations and insights that you can apply to your own life. And of course, there's all kinds of interesting information, not only about the subject of human design, but I'm hoping that you'll also be able to really step into my shoes as you hear Robin telling me about my own human design and how I'm applying it to my own life and how you can do the same. Because those of you out there that are also generators, you're going to learn much more about how to actually read into that. And of course, the other four types. So there's so much more to be revealed. And I'm so thrilled you're here. I would also love to remind everybody to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already by making sure that you hit the subscribe button so that you're always updated each week about new episodes. So if you want to know really the best way to give back to your favorite podcast, it's by subscribing and leaving a review. Today I'm with Robin Wynn. Robin is a best-selling author of Understanding Your Clients Through Human Design, The Breakthrough Technology, and Understanding the Centers in Human Design, The Facilitator's Guide to Transforming Pain into Possibility. 25 years into her work as a licensed marriage and family therapist, she was introduced to human design as a way to more deeply understand herself 
and her clients. This transformational knowledge marked a turning point, opening a door of compassion and empowering her work in surprising and unexpected ways. Robin is a writer, speaker, transformational coach, founder, and director of the training programs, Understanding Yourself Through Human Design and Understanding Your Clients Through Human Design. She lives on Maui with her wife, Yarrow. Hey, Robin. Hey, Monica. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. And did I pronounce Yarrow's name correctly? Yeah, Yarrow. Uh-huh. Oh, and I love that you guys are on Maui. I'm so jealous as I sit here in New England in February. <laughs> Does everybody tell you they're jealous? Pretty much. How long have you actually lived on Maui? Six years. All right. So six years. Yay. And then human design. Oh my gosh. I, I think I became aware of human design a couple of years ago. And for our listeners, if you haven't yet heard of human design, you are in for such a treat. And of course, for those of you that know about human design, the fact that Robin's an expert, I got a chance to dive more deeply into her books and holy smokes, you've just got such a wealth of information. And I'm so curious, Robin, does some of this work happen for you intuitively? Well, here's, here's how I see it. I, I see that human design is a term up. I don't know if you're familiar with it, the word terma, but it's in, in Tibetan Buddhism, they said that certain information was hidden until the right time that people could understand it and use it. And it was meant for that time. And I feel like it was brought to us in 1989, re- relatively recently, that it um, showed up as this fellow, this Canadian was off the coast of Spain, came back, he was on a retreat, came back to his cabin, and these light beings downloaded the information to him. And they said, this is for humanity, for the evolution of humanity. Most importantly, it's for parents to parent their children. Because in human design, each person is a piece of a gigantic puzzle. And when you're living your peace, you bring what you're here to bring you're happy. The world benefits. If you're trying to live somebody else's peace, it's kind of like a curse. You're miserable. And not only that, but all of humanity misses out. So I'm I'm getting back to the answer of your question. So it was given in 1989. Ra, who's no longer with us, transmitted the information to students. And since then, it's kind of like any tradition, Christianity, Buddhism, different streams came out of that. So different people interpreted the material differently. So so yes, there's a deep intuitive aspect to it, because in fact, the way I understand it is that each person has their personal relationship with their chart and their own intuitive understanding of what it means. That makes so much sense to me. And I love the (laughs) <laughs> the term terma. And I'll tell you why, because that idea of, for me, it, it is like the revelation project. You know, I say like what gets revealed gets healed. And I always talk about timing as being so essential. It's kind of that idea of when the student is ready, the teacher appears. I think also when we're actively seeking and we're asking to be shown that we do and are given the signs and the opportunities to see more, experience more of kind of the magic of what we can't see, what's not tangible, what's not visible. And a lot of that for me represents also kind of the feminine and really the allowing 
the dance, the cosmic dance, you know, of our lives to really unfold in our lives. Because we're so, I feel like so much of our suffering is around this white knuckling, kind of this just already always way of being that we can tend to just be so hard on ourselves and then we're not enjoying, we're not in the flow. And of course, human design is so open (laughs) and it's got, of course, some great structure for navigation, but there's also a tremendous amount of, it feels like to me, magic available. Yeah, I I love how you're articulating this. Let me just give a little pith background so that the listeners, so you guys out there can know what I'm talking about here as I point to the magic of it and the the kind of quandary of what we know about ourselves and what we don't know about ourselves and how we navigate into that, you could call it the feminine, you could call it the unknown of ourselves. Really, I think that's one of the big opportunities of human design, both to claim ourselves and to open into the unknown of ourselves. So in human design, it's based on your birth time, date, and place. So it's got an astrological component to it. And if you're familiar with astrology, you know, astrology works with the Western astrology with the 12 houses and the 12 signs. And in human design, we work with the I Ching. Instead of the houses and the the planets, we work with the 64 hexagrams of the I Ching, which is, a for those of you who aren't familiar, it's an ancient Chinese divination system that has 64 hexagrams. Each hexagram has six lines. Just bear with me for a second. This will only take a minute to get through. So each one of those hexagrams has a packet of information. For example, your sun. So in in Western astrology, you're Sagittarius, mm-hmm. right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So in human design, your sun is in the fifth hexagram of the I Ching. So the first hexagram has six solid lines, the most masculine, yang energy. The second hexagram has six broken lines, the most yin or the feminine. And then all the other 62 hexagrams have some combination. So that fifth hexagram in your sun is all about rhythms and patterns. So you're someone who's looking at patterns and working with patterns and working with rhythms. And that comes up in other places in your chart too. But that's, it's a very, um, there's a nature quality and a natural quality to you, to your sun. That's what you're shining out to the world. Does that resonate with you? I mean, I'm I'm kind of laughing, I got to tell you, because my body is totally agreeing with you. It's, it's like I, I'm getting chills and, you know, have like, e- even though my brain doesn't really understand what you're saying, my body does. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, I can feel that. <laughs> so <laughs> we take the time of your birth. And so your planets are in one of those 64 hexagrams. But we also, this is what makes it so interesting, we take the time three months prior to your birth. We call that your unconscious and where your planets were at that time. And we put them together. And what happens is we get this holographic quantum puzzle piece that's uniquely you, right? Yeah, that is so cool. Yeah. And that where you're what we call it defined in your chart, because there's a picture, it, takes, it creates actually a, a picture. You've seen the body graph, it creates a body graph with nine centers and 66 channels and I mean, sorry, uh, 64 
gates and uh, 36 channels, 34 channels. Yeah. And for those of you listening, you know, so Robin had me pull up my chart and you, anyone can go to the human design website and we'll of course give you the information and just run your chart. That's free. And of course, they'll give you just enough explanation so that it really kind of makes sense to you. And then if you want to go deeper, we'll tell you how to do that as well. But right now, what Robin's referring to is the actual chart. And so this is my actual human design chart or map that she's talking about that we have on the screen and that she's actually going to be talking to me more about today. And what we're going to try to do in this conversation is really make the conversation available to everybody just so that you get a sense of what kind of information you can gain from doing this work using me as a guinea pig. Is that a good way to say this, Robin? That was brilliant. Okay. That was perfect. I was so when we we look at when you get your chart and you can go to geneticmatrix.com and get a free chart. When you look at your chart, you'll see some of it is colored and some of it is white. And wherever it's colored in, whether it's a center, a channel, or a gate, you'll see it. It'll be obvious. That's where you're you have consistent access to yourself. So that's the, the you of you that's consistent. So you're broadcast, it's like you're out breath into the world. You're broadcasting that information, whether you're aware of it or not. Where you're white in the chart, whether it's a center, a channel, or gate, you're breathing in, you're taking in everybody else and where the planets are shifting in the sky. So this is all electromagnetic. It's like these puzzle pieces fit together are called together and it's quantum. So when we get to the magic part that you were talking about, where we're open is, let me just back up and say the ego doesn't like the openness. The ego likes something to hold on to. So where we're defined, we have something to hold on to. This is me. But where we're open, we don't know who we are. And we can get conditioned there. We can believe we're somebody we're not. We can take in the thoughts, in your case, the thoughts of other people and believe thoughts that aren't ours, right? That all has to be deconditioned. That's part of the curse that has to be cleared, seen and cleared, what's true, what's not true. I mean, are you laughing that that's the card we chose today? Like the curse? Like that is just hysterical. So my listeners know that I typically will choose an oracle card before, you know, I sit with a guest and I don't always talk about what card we get, but like, here we are. We got the card, the curse, you guys. I mean, you cannot make this shit up. No. And it is a curse. It is a curse to not live your puzzle piece. Ah, That That is a curse. That's why it's so important. So, okay, when because when you talk about the puzzle piece, it's like your purpose. Is that right? Like if, if you don't know what your purpose is, or if you don't know what the puzzle piece is that's going to help kind of illuminate or reveal that, is that what you mean when you say that? Very close. So it's a living puzzle piece, right? We're living beings. Right. It's a living puzzle piece. So some of it Like your son is always going to be Sagittarius, right? That doesn't change Mm -hmm. in astrology. Your son in human design is always going to be the fifth hexagram. But there's a lot that changes. There's a lot of variation. For example, this is how I talk. So you talk about intuition. This is how I speak to it. Wherever we're defined is kind of like privilege. We have access to that energy consistently. How we use that privilege? 
that's another story. We can either use it well. That's a choice. Yes. Or we can use it poorly. Okay. So I'll give an example in your chart. You have, you have my favorite channel in the whole chart. It's called the 4323. And it's the 43 is the gate of insight. And you have that in Jupiter. So your insight is a blessing to humanity. It's a place of expansion. And the 23 is called articulation. So it's the, the desire to articulate your insights. I mean, there it is. <laughs> there it is, right? Yes. Now you have to be on track. Your insights are in Saturn. So you have to be on track with how you articulate those. And, and part of the things you have to understand is this is all circuitry. So there's individual, tribal, collective circuitry. This is individual. You're speaking something new. You're speaking that insight. You have the capacity to look at things in a way they've never been looked at before and see them turn on the light and see them in a new way. Right? Yeah. But everybody is not ready to hear that. Oh, well, and of course, you know, and I experience that a lot. I call it crickets. <laughs> you know, when I like say something and I'm, I'm so sure that I'm like going to, and there, there's something here about validation. So we'll revisit this in a minute. But for me, you know, personally, and so for my listeners, of course, this is a little bit vulnerable for me because what I'm about to say is that there is this part of me that really, that wants to get it right. That when I look at something or I share something from a place that's really deep and profound for me, when I'm greeted sometimes with crickets, I've had to really remind myself sometimes that that's not, that that doesn't mean anything about my insight. And that, so there's, there's so much here that gets revealed as we share ourselves authentically with the world that then gets reflected back where we still have some work to do. And for me, it's always around, you don't need validation out there, Monica. It's just, you get to have your insights and they get to be true for you and like move along. Yeah. So I love that. So you know this about yourself, that you have insights that are out of the norm, Mm -hmm. we could say, because you're bringing new light, new insights in, right? Sometimes it meets with crickets. The guidance for you in human design would be timing. Mm -hmm. It's called the freak genius channel. If you say it in the right time, in the right place, it's genius. If you say it in the wrong time to people who can't hear your insights, it's actually, I think of it like medicine. It's actually toxic to them. For some people, it's strengthening and some people, they can't, they can't handle what you're saying. Like it's almost, almost destructive to them because it's, it's, it feels like a weapon or something like that kind of truth has such an edge to it sometimes. Right. Yeah. They can't register. They can't utilize it. Your light is blinding rather than illuminating. Okay. That's that's super interesting. Now, of course, I'm looking at the chart and where, where is this freak genius channel? The, so for, you're saying 4323. Okay, right there. Okay, so you guys, it's kind of, we're pointing to this green triangle up in half of the, the lower half of region of my head. Is that right, Robin? Yep, the, the Ajna center, the second center. Uh-huh. Okay, and then the channel that's right below my throat. Is that right? It's going from your ajna to your throat. Okay. And what does the green versus brown mean? 
So we don't worry about the colors. Okay. It's, it's just denoting the different centers. Got it. Got it. Okay. So fascinating. And then up on the top, and I don't know, you can tell me where you want to take me next, but up on the top is what you're calling an open channel, which is the very top of my design, the top of my head. So here's the top of your, here's the open center, and here's the open channel that you have. Okay. So you have an open head. So we're talking about, I said where you're defined, it's, there's a privilege to it, but how do you use that privilege? You have the privilege of insight. You have consistent access to insight, or perhaps you're feeling the lack of insight, but insight is always in your forefront of your mind. It's always, always there. Does that make sense? That resonate? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's a privileged place. Your defined ajna, that green triangle, this is how you process information. Wherever you have a channel, the centers on either side are defined. So your ajna, your processing center, you have consistent access to. You can take information in and, and you know how to process it. You have a grounded mind in that way. Does that fit? Yep. You're designed to be certain with that defined ajna. Doesn't mean you're always right, just saying. Mm-hmm. Right. So just to leave a little, a little possibility that you might not be right, even when you feel certain. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Well, I always say that, you know, certainty is not necessarily, you know, a, a great thing. But I do often have what I call knowings, which feel less certain, but more about this personal knowing about certain things. And in that moment, for me, it's not necessarily about being right or wrong as much as it feels it feels right. It feels important for some reason in that moment. So all of this, this channel, this freak genius channel, and this coming down to your 14.2, anything in this center is called the knowing. <laughs> knowing channel. Oh my and God. you just you just know things. You don't know how you know them. You just know them. I just right? know them. And I, I say it all the time. I mean, my family probably gets so annoyed. You just know them. Now, so then let's look at the open head. So that's the open center, right? We've talked about the privilege and how you use it can be skillful or unskillful, mm-hmm. right? Just like someone who has white privilege or male privilege, they can be skillful or unskillful with that. Well, and I'll give you an example of being privileged. I can use my words as weapons. And I know, I know that sometimes, I mean, my husband will tell you, like, I think the last time, you know, we really headed out, you know, I was like, say something, you know, and he was like, you're really mean when you get like this, you know, and it, for mm. me, that was that reminder of like, yeah, like careful. Yeah. Just because, you know, it's my truth in that moment, it's how I deliver it. And that becomes really important, especially, you know, when you want to, you know, when you're committed to creating more loving and intimate relationships and not destroying them. Hello. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Well, you do have, just since you mentioned that, you do have this gate 18, which is called the gate of correction. Mm. So... The thing is, this is all logical circuitry here. This, this 18 can see what's wrong and wants to say it. But again, it's all about timing. If you say it at the right time, it's appreciated and valued. But if you say it without it being invited or asked for, 
just again, like your insights need to be, you need to be invited or asked for them rather than just to blurt them. Mm -hmm. Then it's experienced as criticism. Yeah. So that's a vulnerability of yours with this capacity to see how to improve things is also the capacity to be, you know, to have it not be received. Yeah. If you're not, if the timing isn't right, if you're not in relationship, if it's not invited or asked for. Mm -hmm. So you've got two places where that's really important. You ready to go to the openness for a minute here? Yeah. Tell me about that. And where, and just for our listeners, where does kind of the, so I also want to back up and say like, there's five types. Is that what you call them? Type? Yep. There's five types, five big puzzle pieces, five, like the, if you think of a puzzle, there's the sky and there's the earth and there's the what kind of like the bigger puzzle piece. And then we refine it down. Okay. And they are, so I'm a generator. You're a generator. Now that like when we create this puzzle from the, that, that conscious and unconscious hexagrams, there are centers that get defined and channels that um, hook up the centers. So a generator has that, you see this red sacral yep. down here, that the second center from the bottom, if that's red, you're going to be a generator or a manifesting generator. When you have that defined, you have the privilege of sustainable energy. 70% of us have this defined. We are the worker bees of humanity. We're here to find the right work. To, we're here to respond with a yes or a no to life. Something comes in, it's an inner GPS, a brilliant inner GPS. Yes, I want to do podcasts. Yes, I want to have children. Yes, you know, you follow your yeses mm -hmm. when you have this defined. They say the world is so messed up because so many generators and manifesting generators are doing things they have a no for. Yeah, which was my reality 11 years ago, you know, when when everything kind of fell apart is, you know, I always say that I had been wearing all of the masks, I was doing a lot of what I see so many of us women doing, which is keeping the peace, being polite, saying yes to when we really mean no, <laughs> putting everybody before ourselves, all of those things, I was kind of doing all of those things. And really from that seeking validation, there was kind of this always unanswerable question of like, am I enough? Do you love me? Am I lo lovable? And just always seeking out there, seeking out there. And and I always talk about how I, I literally got to the point where I went to bed for eight, almost nine months. You know, I just completely at that point had like a physical, a full body, mind, body, spirit kind of breakdown. Wow. So when I hear that, so we thinking of that in terms of the sacral, it's like if we're doing something we have a no for, then we burn out, mm -hmm. right? We don't have that sustainable energy. You totally fried. I fried, and I mean fried. You couldn't sustain your energy because you didn't have a yes for it. Mm -mm. So this is really important for our health, mental health, emotional health, physical health, that if you have, if you're a generator, you're you're following that GPS, that yes, no GPS. You learn to trust that inner yes and no. Yeah, you're shaking your head. You really get this. Totally, totally. I mean, I'm I'm really kind of thinking back and what's coming up for me, Robin, is that that, that is true. You know, I, 
Uh, and, and of course, you asked me those questions, but from a very, very young age, and I think really as young as when I first started having horm- hormonal changes, it, although it wasn't discovered until I was in my 20s, I think that's when I started having an autoimmune condition, which ended up being Hashimoto's, which is, of course, hypothyroidism. You know, and when I think about not being able to speak my truth and I come back up here and I look at what was true for me around my insights and feeling like I couldn't say them because they were not being received. And in my home growing up, it was literally like I was the one that was like the emperor has no clothes screaming it till like I really got that like that was just going to get me in trouble. So yeah, shutting that down, I think just over time just made me sicker and sicker. Yeah, it's not easy having the, the gifts that you had with all this individuality. Like you're very individual, you're unique. And the tribe isn't that comfortable with individuality, right? The tribe is about survival and it needs people to fit. And you have a little conundrum in your chart between all your individuality and then this deep tribal. So you need to figure out how to navigate both. Because it's like a loyalty thing. It's like a loyalty to myself or to the people I love sometimes. That's the conundrum in your chart. Yeah. How how do you navigate those two things? How do you be your unique self and be welcomed in the tribe? I'm feeling, you know, it's it's interesting. I'm feeling like the the actual emotion coming up for me right now because yeah, you know, as we talk about this, I think that was it for me was the breakdown. It was literally like I had to choose. Yeah. And I remember feeling like no matter what I chose, it was an impossible choice. Because you can't choose. You, your work is to have both. And I didn't get the and back then. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That sacred and. I do. That I can. I do. That it was that I could be loyal to myself and. Yeah. That I was allowed to say what I needed to say and say it lovingly and allow people to either stay or go based on that truth. But that I had, that truly for me, it was like my life was started to be on the line. Yeah. It did feel like that at that time. Like, if I don't start speaking the truth, I'm going to die. Yeah. So you found a, a podcast. Found, <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah. You found yes. a container yeah. to speak your truth to the tribe, to the collective. I know. I'm like, is there anybody out there? <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that's what happens when you have that individual, and everything you have to do, you have to, it has to be from your heart. If you do things that aren't from your heart, it's a mess for you. Mm-hmm. Your sacral goes right to your identity center, to your center of love. So you have to follow your heart. Yeah, it really for me is either a clear yes or a clear no. I'm very very bad at in between. Yeah, and you do. I know we're talking. We'll, we'll get back to the five types in a second, but. Ah, you do have the vulnerability to burnout in your chart. Mm-hmm. And I'll just tell you a little bit about that before we go back to the five types. Yeah, sure. That'd be okay. Yeah. You have the two pressure centers in the chart. The open head and the open root are both pressure centers. So you're under pressure in your head to come up with answers, right? You can't help it. It's like somebody has a question and they, they've pushed send on the computer and your mind starts spinning. You can't help it, right? And your root, you're picking up. Remember, these are where we're receptors. Your head is a receptors. Where you're defined, you're broadcasting. Where you're open, you're receiving. 
So this is like the feminine. We could say, you talked about earlier, the openness is the feminine where we receive. Your open root is taking on everybody's pressures around you all the time. Mm-hmm. You are a pressure cooker. Yes. You cannot escape it. There's no escaping that. And doing more things does not relieve the pressure. It might for a moment, but that that's your system. So just learn to live in the pot. The pressure cook. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. Something like that. Well, there is actually a relief to kind of looking at it. It's okay. And I know I'm a little cynical here, but and I love my my father's definition of a cynic was always that the cynic knows the price of everything and the value of nothing, <laughs> which I just feel like I have to mention here. But it's this idea of, okay, this is your lot in life, you know, like this is the reality. And so, but here's what you can do. There's always going to be this pressure cooker, but there's something, Robin, that I'm making up that it's based on what I do have access to. And I do know that I can find workarounds, that I can find ways to make it less of a suffering place. Exactly. To come to peace, to make friends with that pressure, right? And see it as a dynamic aliveness that's waiting for the right moment when you have a yes to do the thing. You don't have to do everything that you're feeling everybody's pressure. It doesn't mean you have to do everything that needs to be done for other people. Your job is to really stay focused and know the exact thing. Oh yeah, your shoulders relax. <laughs> the exact thing that's yours to do and then do that. But it's a it's like when you're in a yoga posture, it's like there it's dynamic, the dynamic tension. Yeah. You're present to it. Fascinating. Okay. Yeah. So it with this open root as well, I'm curious what, how does that affect my ability to be grounded and centered and all those beautiful words? And it's, I really do notice for myself, Robin, that that is something I have to continually be aware of because I almost, I don't, I don't necessarily feel it in my root. I actually feel it in my sacral center when I go somewhere or I am somewhere and I walk into a place. I usually can tell by how I'm acting or interacting with others if I'm grounded or not. And and it's almost like this feeling of chaos that happens the next one up for me in my, is that the sacral? Mm-hmm. If I'm not grounded, if I'm not aware of presencing myself and orienting myself and almost cheerleading myself like, got this, like, it's okay, we're... <laughs> Like, I'm like, okay, we're, we're going to go into this room now. And we're like, I have to talk to myself like that when I'm especially around big groups, I almost have to like have an inner navigator who's like, okay, and now is does that make sense to you listening as a facilitator? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And again, I want to just talk about the open centers that are so powerful. They're where we're taking in and where we've been conditioned. So this open will center, there's a vulnerability to questioning your value because you're taking in everybody else's sense of value and identifying it as your own. So you go into a group and you're going to feel everybody's pressure in the root, everybody's thoughts and ideas in the head. So you're like, where? Okay. A little ungrounded with that. You know, who's thought? What? Right. Your, your, how you process thoughts is grounded, but all the ideas, there's so many ideas, so many possible ideas. And then. 
if someone's feeling badly about themselves, you can easily just merge with that. There's nothing between you and what they're feeling. Mm -mm. So you have to be discerning. Each one of these is like a spiritual portal of discernment. Is this me or is this them? And each one of these is like a spiritual path, like for the will open will center that you have to discern that, oh, there's nothing I can do. This is what I call the God portal aspect in my book on centers. There's nothing you can do to get more value or to lose value, your value itself. Once you stabilize on that, you walk into that room and you're not tossed around by the energies in the room. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That makes sense? Totally. And I do feel, you know, I mean, that obviously the pandemic has, has create, you know, created a buffer in terms of, but I definitely have noticed that that anxiety or uh, ability to kind of be tossed around by those waves ha had lessened for me over especially the last couple of years where I really kind of got into that practice and kind of was finally like, aha, that's what they mean by self-love. Yeah. That there was this trust of myself that started to, that I started to lean into in a way that just didn't, right. that was unwavering. And anytime I talk a lot about self abandonment, because of course I had done it in the most massive ways. In fact, so much of my work has been around almost having to go back. I call it the reclamation. Mm -hmm. Go back to those places of abandonment, whether they were in my childhood or not. And resolve them, recollect them, remember them so that so there's this feeling of wholeness that I've really felt over these past couple of years that have just made all the difference to me. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. I When I hear that, I really think about, again, these open centers where we get so conditioned, where we believe things about ourselves that aren't true or take on things. And this is your center of fear. So, you know, you pick up on everybody's fears. You walk into a room, this is another thing that could make you unstable. You walk into a room and you feel everybody's fears. And, and when you take them in, they're amplified. Mm -hmm. They're not just feeling them, they're bigger. You're feeling everybody's pressures. You're feeling everybody's lack of value or everybody's need to prove themselves. So, yeah. So when you learn to stabilize what, you're do, what you did on the space rather than on grabbing hold of something. Does that make sense? Oh, like an addiction. Yeah. Like that's where, because again, like that's always an option that had always been an option for me, but yet, you know, that's a big theme in my family. So yes and no, like I saw, I was able to see that, you know, that even though I had a propensity to want to at times, because it, it would help me numb that I knew that it was not a good choice for me for so many reasons. And so there was always kind of this uh, tension because I was always seeking that thing. But again, it was the outside myself where I really had to kind of come to the place of finding the thing to hold on to within myself. Yeah. You do have the gate of struggle. You're here to struggle. And you're here to help people with their struggles. <laughs> I could have told you that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's a blessing place for you. It's like, what's a good, your, your job is to find out what's a good struggle. What's the best struggle today? Yeah. Are you guys loving this? Yes. That's, that's what you're here to do. Well, and what comes up for me when we talk about that is a worthy struggle. Mm -hmm. 
right? Like what would be worth it to struggle about? Yeah. Well, for me, it's about, uh, I think, I think for me, like the thing that I'm constantly saying is worthy of the struggle is this idea of helping women step into their own power. That's, that for me is like, I know that there's a personal struggle because it also reflects me. But that for me, that that feels like a big part of it for me is that purpose that because that when you talk about struggle, that's what I think of is like, there's almost like this tension. It's, there's a way that I can see it so clearly, I can see the potential and the the harmony and the balance and like all of the beauty that we women and all of our nurturing, it's like all the things the world so needs. And yeah, so you're smiling. I don't know if I'm on it or I'm not or. Yeah, no, I'm just, (laughs) I'm looking at what your mercury is in human design and it's in self-love. This is Mm -hmm. the gate of self-love coming off your yellow diamond here to the left. And the gate of friction over here coming off your emotional solar plexus. So you like to talk about self-love. Like, how do we love ourselves? What does it take to love ourselves? And what what do we have to break through? The friction is like the sperm breaking into the egg, you know, getting into the egg. Or it's like, what do we have to break through to have that birth, to create that new thing? What's What's the sand that creates the pearl? That's the conversation that you're here to have. I mean, it so is. I always, I have a friend that uses the expression, no grit, no pearl. Yeah. And of course I adopted it right away. And then I always say no mud, no lotus. So there's that friction again, or that, you know, messy kind of beauty. It's always there for me. I mean, I'm just like, that, that is so true. That That's the conversation. Now, the one thing I want to say about gate 10, and then I'm going to go back to the types. <laughs> Is that the low side of that? Remember, you can use that privilege well or not well. Mm-hmm. So you're here to do what you love. That's that is what you're here to do. You're here to do what you love to follow that. Yes. When you're not self-loving, you go to blame and shame. So that's your little flag that I'm off track with myself. I'm not in alignment. Yeah that that one's uh, that one's really obvious sometimes and really tricky other times. It it really is noticing all of the ways that that can show up because it can show up in so many disguised ways. Yeah. Yeah. So I think blame less so much on the shame, but the blame is something for me to look at more deeply because I I feel like it's so easy now for me to see the shame, not so easy for me to see the blame. Because there was a time, because on the flip side of blame is victim. Mm-hmm. And there was a time that there was this tricky place for me around seeing myself, that I had to see myself as a victim before I could stand in the center of my story as the heroine of my story, right? But it was almost like without allowing myself to first understand that I had at one point been a victim, like it wasn't my fault, but it was my responsibility now that I knew better to do better, right? So there is that kind of shift that has to happen. But I I love what you're pointing to. Thank you. Because that's 
for me too, it, it is constantly about just the noticing and then like the getting back into alignment, what is needed to kind of shift back into alignment. Yeah. And it's almost the feeling of taking my foot off the gas pedal or having it back on the gas pedal. Yeah. So that you're speaking perfectly, beautifully to definition. It's like, are we using that privilege well? Or are we not using it well? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have our foot on the gas or are we taking it off the gas? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. It's just so it's just so amazing. So to my listeners, what's so amazing for me as I look at this is just like it is kind of magical. It's like there's things that are defined and then there's free will and free choice and it's it's very illuminating. It's very validating. It's very freeing. It's like being able to breathe into some of what you're saying and be like, "Yeah, that's true." You know, like just to be able to to see that it's part of my design. Like there's some relief there, actually. It's like that reclamation, right? Reclaiming all of you, not just your idea of how you should be or who you should be, but like, okay, yeah, I'm under pressure. Yes, I've got this, you know, self-love stream that I need to be, I need to respect and take care of. Mm -hmm. I've got this ability to articulate things that I need to be, I need to tend to. I need to honor and respect within me and within other people as I share it with other people. The other thing you have is this channel 2946. This is another burnout channel. This is, this is perseverance. Once you have a yes for something, you can go all the way. But it's very hard if you say some yes to something that you have a no for to get out of it. And, and your body takes the hit when you do that. Yeah, so... A couple of things here. <laughs> My best friend, she calls me unfatigable. She, she used to call me relentless, but then she thought that maybe that wasn't the best word. <laughs> so, of course, unfatigable, I, I think, was like her way of saying that, but, but as a compliment. And But the truth is, she would also notice that I would do this burnout thing, almost like I was such a yes, but almost almost to the detriment of everything else, that there was that balance for me and learning balance in a way to really do both, give and receive, to nurture the parts of myself that need sustenance in order to do the thing well and to be a full yes. I also am really, I have less tolerance for it as I get older, where when I was younger, I felt like I could, I just, it's it's really easy for me now to notice the burnout, notice the fatigue and be able to easily kind of be like, yeah, because you're, because you're not a full yes, or like you're doing it more from a place of obligation versus choice. Anything in this, this tribal channel here on the left from the sacral to the Spleen. This is the Mother Teresa channel. This is where you, this is the feminine. This is the right side is the masculine. So this is giving and you can burn out if you're, you can be codependent. You can, yeah, if you're not including yourself in the picture. And plus, I mean, let's, you, you come by all this honestly, right? Your moon is in the gate 30, which is the most intense gate I have it to in the whole chart. It's called the gate of passion or the gate of desire. It's like you want what you want. It's very passionate. So if you don't take your time, you, you, you're designed to take your time in making decisions. If you jump in, 
and make your decisions before you make sure it's good. Like it's jumping into bed with someone and getting pregnant before you have all the container to, you know, bring up that child. Or you can jump into war and create a fiasco. This is that kind of energy here. Mm. This is love, war, marriage. So you have to wait and make sure you don't jump from that open route into things just to relieve the pressure. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure you have a yes. You have to make sure you're following your heart. And just to make it a little more texture, you have this gate 35, which is you cannot tolerate boredom. You need things fresh in the moment here. I don't know what she's talking about. Yeah, right. Yes, it's I. It's so true. It's so true. You guys, this is crazy. This is just the coolest thing. It's. I don't know why it makes me so happy to know this. Why does it make me so happy? You're being seen. Oh, that's it. You're being seen. Yeah. I mean, I feel it over here. I feel my heart so deeply. I feel the chills. I feel you're receiving yourself. Mm-hmm. Receiving the reflection. Like, oh, you can rest. You can rest. Yeah, it's like that feeling of like, yeah, that's me. There there I am. Yeah. All right. So. Okay. Let's talk about the time. Yeah. So <laughs> generator manifesting generator. Yeah. So let me tell you the little difference between those two and what that means for you as a generator. Okay. So a generator has this red square, right? Defined. A manifesting generator has, there's four motors. Just bear with me for a second. There's four motors in the chart, the sacral, the root that you have open, the bottom one, the one to the right, the emotional solar plexus, and then that will, that little tiny triangle. When one of those motors has a channel going to the throat and that red sacral, you become a manifesting generator. So the manifester is a motor to the throat. We say in human design, if it were a game, the way to win the game is to get a motor to your throat. So manifestors, manifesting generators have a motor to their throat. They they come out winning the game. Now, just to be clear, there's no hierarchy in these puzzle pieces. No one puzzle piece is better than any other puzzle piece. We need all of them. We need just in a puzzle, you need every puzzle piece. We need every puzzle piece. Now, our culture can project a higher value on a manifest or a manifesting generator, for example, because when you have that motor to the throat, you can do things on your own. You can manifest on your own. So where does that leave the rest of us, the generators, projectors, and reflectors? We're designed to to electromagnetically come together to get a motor to our throat. So we need other people. We're more powerful in relationship than we are alone. Did you hear that, you guys? And I just want to mention the thing you said when you... uh, we were talking earlier, and a lot of people say this, like, I'm just a generator. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm just a generator. 35% of the population, I'm just a generator. And then, as I pointed out, and you pointed out, you read in my book, yeah, just like Oprah Winfrey, just a generator, right? Blew my mind. Right. She's more powerful giving the interviews talking to people. That's where she gets her power. She doesn't get her power from being out there on her own. No, it's so true, right? There's a way and and I want to go back to this in a minute. But this is so interesting about that throat piece. Because what I make up about that is that our words create worlds, 
It's this. They do. And so it's this idea of being able to manifest from the declaration, from the voice, from the speaking. And so it's, again, I go back to why it's so important that women claim their voices. And if you're not a, if you don't have this throat channel, it's about being able to collaborate in a way that allows you to have that, right? And so this is where I'm like, it's so I'm like, yeah, help me understand that. Yeah. So for example, like if you were to look at your husband's chart or your children's chart or the people the, the people you coach, their charts, if someone has this gate 36, it hooks up with your gate 35 and you get your emotional solar plexus, that motor gets to your throat. You, the two of you are going to be more powerful together than you are on your own. Mm-hmm. Your sacral, your heart, your emotions are going to make it to your throat in a way that can be heard and make manifest. Mm-hmm. All the root energy is trying to make it to the throat. Always? Always. That's the flow of this circuitry. Trying to get to the throat wants to manifest. Okay. We have this raw root energy that's trying to manifest. Right, we're creators, and the way to create is to get a motor to your throat. Interesting. So remember, we're all in this together. This puzzle piece—we're not an individual puzzle piece. We're part of a whole. This is a quantum puzzle piece. Okay. When you're in a group of people, undoubtedly, someone is going to get—you're going to be with a manifester, manifesting generator. You automatically get a motor to your throat. They're walking empowerments. Or someone's going to have a hookup, they're going to have the 36, or they're going to have one of these three channels, and you'll immediately get a motor to your throat. Or they'll have, oh, good, you and I, let's look at that. I have the gate 20. So the 20 and the 34 come together. When we're together, we both have a motor to our throat. That's so interesting. Yeah, so it really, it really is, it's like we are more powerful when we collaborate. Exactly. It's just such a, it's like we're designed for it, literally. And so this whole bullshit, I'm sorry, now I'm like, and this bullshit about this individuality, you know, that we hype in this culture is so dumb. It's just dumb. And not only is it dumb, but it doesn't actually work. We're not even designed. Here's the thing, the manifestors and the manifesting generators are designed to do things on their own. They have that capacity. Visionaries. No, take, not visionary. Let's take the visionary out of that. That's, okay. that's, your, that's over here. That's a different place. This is like creating. And there's a downside that, to that too, because they're here to impact. They're here to, to manifest. We could say that like, I'll give you an example. I was living on some property on a large piece of land, three acres up, uh, up country in Maui. And my landlady is a manifesting generator. Oh my God. I got tired just watching her. She, she got on her tractor and took care of all the gravel roads. She was a professor. She was, I mean, she could, she just didn't stop. She took care of all the lands, all the animals, the goats, everything because she could Mm. as a manifesting generator. She could, it it was harder for her to ask for help than to do it herself. That's the low side of the manifesting generator. Okay. Okay. Yep. They can't, they're not that, it's not that easy for them to get help. 
they can burn themselves out. They, they, they have so much capacity, but it means, you know, they, they do everything. I mean, this is literally why it's like a human science study. It's, it's literally like putting two substances together and you get a whole nother mix of possibilities. It's fascinating. Okay, I think I just caught the bug. It, it It's just fascinating. I mean, I'm already kind of like a, you know, like a growth junkie in this way, but we're in trouble now. We're in trouble now. Well, you are a growth junkie. I mean, you've got, you're deep. You've got this gate 48 mm-hmm. and it's in Uranus. So it's some surprising, unusual way. You are deep, deep, deep. You're here to investigate your first line profile. You're here to investigate. You're an investigator. And then once you investigate, you try something. When you get enough information, you try it. But with this 48, oh my gosh, you feel like you never know enough. The fear is you don't know enough because you know more than anybody. So you know how much more there is to know, right? I saw your bookshelf and that that's not enough. You know, there's, it's an endless pit right, of knowing. Yeah. So how would you say to somebody like me or any of our listeners, what's possible kind of diving into this work, knowing your chart, and how to work with this in your relationships, in your family, in your work. And obviously, that may be a whole nother podcast episode. But if we were to just say like, okay, Monica, just take this next step or take a look at this next way to look at this work, then then what would you say? Well, I'll, I'll tell you for me, the big aha, you know, you're getting your ahas today. The big aha for me 15 years ago when I first had my session and my wife had her session was about the types. Very simply that, that we were two different puzzle pieces, two different types. You know, I'm a generator. She's a projector. We didn't talk about projectors, but projectors are not, people without those sacrals aren't designed to work in the way you and I are designed to work and to find our right work. She's a wise guide, but We were so compatible, but energetically, we were different. She liked to stay in bed. My motor gets up, turns on in the morning. I'm ready to go. That's generators. They're designed. Go all day long, fall asleep, exhausted at night, wake up in the morning, ready to battery recharged, ready to go. She doesn't have that battery pack. Anybody with an open sacral doesn't have that battery pack. And I honestly, I felt like I was judging her. I thought she was lazy. Oh, I, I was just making I was just making that connection. Yeah, I thought you I made her I was making her wrong for her puzzle piece. Ah, oh. she meanwhile was making me wrong. She thought I was a workaholic. She didn't get that the pleasure I got from working. All right, so just in relationships it just makes it just puts everybody at just in a freedom to be who you are because you're designed a certain way. And to respect each other. That's, I mean, I really feel like deep human design is deep compassion. It's appreciation of difference. Oh. It's coming to see who we are. And yes, exactly. And who each other is and coming to a new place of reckoning with that. Stop making people wrong for who they are and open to who, bring curiosity rather than judgment for difference. Mm. I mean, if that's not the mantra for our times. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and that includes judgment for ourselves, for who we are, that self-love piece. 
if we're thinking our puzzle piece, if I'm thinking I should be a manifester like my mom was and be able to go out and talk and have people listen to me, like, no, that's just not going to happen. I have an open throat. I can't do that. I have to do it differently. I have to do it skillfully. Again, I go back to privilege and, and male and female. Like the example I use is if I'm getting on a plane and lifting a suitcase to the compartment above, my wife and I do it together. Or a guy says, can I help you? And he just takes one arm and throws it up there, right? Where we're open, we have to work more skillfully. We can't just use the muscle of that definition. Wow. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, it's like in those open centers, you need collaborating, working together is where you kind of make that work for you, where you're defined, you've got the ability to kind of have a more direct use of that gift. And in those open centers, you have to discern what's you and what's somebody else. Because that's the quantum field where we just go, we just connect and we get confused. Who's us and who's them, you know? Yeah. We have to sort that out. Yeah. Oh, gosh, this has just been the coolest discovery. And of course, it I can really see how it's really endless. It is. It's really endless. So, So how do you work with your clients? Can our listeners contact you and set up an appointment? And what do you typically recommend in terms of, you know, I'm sure you analyze or maybe you don't tell me more. Well, my, okay. So first of all, I'm happy to send anybody who wants to get a copy of my first book for free. I'm happy to send that to you. It's it's the types and you can read, you can run your chart and look at your type and just start getting your feet wet with it. Just the types is so much information right there to help you. Just like I said, with my wife and I, projector uh, generator. So that's the first thing. If the next step is to have a human design coaching session, we can set that up. We can look at that. Really, I, I think of it not so much as a reading, but what do you want in your life and what's happening for you and where to look and see where you're on track with yourself and where maybe you're identifying with something that's not yours, mm-hmm. just to help you get clear get that reflection and get back on track with yourself. But my big passion is training, training coaches, therapists, leaders, people who want to, parents even, who who want to use human design, want to understand themselves more fully through human design, and then take it and possibly take it into the world. Because this, the time has come for human this, this terma to be used. Yeah, I mean, it really has. And I'm I'm seeing it in so many places right now. You know, human design, it really does kind of seem like it's hitting a, a tipping point. And hallelujah, because I think the more that we can get out of that judgment of each other and really work together and collaborate, um, you know, we talk about this time period as really kind of the, well, there's a couple ways it's referred to, but for sure, a lot of people have heard about this kind of unity consciousness that's that's really starting to I think awaken people at it at different levels. And certainly that's, that's where I see a huge connection. But also the Sophia century, which is a term that Lynn Twist, who wrote the soul of money coined, and she calls it the the century of wisdom, you know, where we're kind of getting out of this war, fear of war, and more interested in understanding interconnectedness between the indigenous wisdom and the modern wisdom, and now integrating those and having women step into co-equal partnership with men or that interdependence that we need in order to really make 
a more harmonious world. And so I can really just see where your passion to train others to do this work is so fulfilling. And yeah, and I love, couldn't recommend Robin's books anymore. So for those of you who have heard this invitation to download the free book, we'll make sure to have the free book link in the show notes and we'll give you the rest of Robin's information so that you can, of course, if you're interested in training or interested in learning more, you can certainly reach out. And then Robin, what I want to say to you is just, gosh, thank you. Like this has just been such a gift, the whole thing, just learning more about you, your work, all of the generosity you brought to our conversation and illumination for me. Of course, like I'm I feel like I've just uh, uncovered the tip of the iceberg here. So I can't wait to go to go deeper. I'm just so grateful that been able to to meet through Megan Joe Wilson again. So I guess my last question for you, Robin, would just be, is there anything else that you want to say to our listeners today about human design or about themselves or about any insights that you've had today? The first thing I want to just say is thank you. I just, I feel like sitting with you is like sitting with a big heart. <laughs> this whole hour, I've just, my, my, the tenderness of my heart has been exposed. You're, you're just a, a beauty. And I, I appreciate what you're doing. And you're, like I said, my favorite channel is at 4323. I, I love your capacity to articulate. Mm. It's really a gift that you, it's a, it's a powerful gift you're bringing. And yeah, for the listeners, you know, give yourself this gift of human design. It, it might seem like Greek at first, you know, I know when I first had my first human design session, my eyes kind of glazed over, but it's really, it's a worthy, it's a worthy study. It's a worthy journey to look through this lens. There's a, a healing nectar for you, for your family, for your clients. It's very powerful. It, re- it really, I love that. It, it is a healing nectar, you know, that just what I felt, you know, in terms of like feeling seen, that in itself, think of that basic human need is to feel seen, to feel heard. And there's something about being able to like, look at this and just feel this sense of, I don't quite know what to call it, but it's like an anchor back home to yourself, you know, that it's, it is like that, ah, you know, like I, I, it, it just reveals so much about the miracle of, of our design. And it does, for me, really invite the divine that there's, you know, my father, who was a vascular surgeon, he used to say, and a lot of doctors, you know, I, I what I felt was so unique about him was that his the more deeply he got into the science, the more actually expansive his wonder and his belief in the divine grew. Because he would say, there's no way that you can look at the human design, the human body, and he was a vascular surgeon, and not get God. <laughs> you know, that there is, there's, it's impossible for there not to be a bigger intelligence and to really have a piece of this puzzle and to be able to, you know, learn more about those that we love in order to create more connection, more intimacy is, is such a gift. It's just such a gift. So 
Thank you again. And I cannot wait to connect again, Robin. We'll do that. We'll make a plan to do that. I I look forward to it. Yeah. And for our listeners, of course, always more to be revealed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift, subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. And as always, more to be revealed.